0: Hey Lana. Hey Wendy. So I've been reading a lot of web comics recently.
1: <laughs> comics on the web. That's awesome.
0: And since I've been reading these web comics, the other day I had a dream that a web comic idea came fully formed out of my head, what? like just rose like Athena, <laughs> just like yeah.
1: an Athenian web comic idea. Yeah. Just,
0: yeah. Oh. Like I woke up and I was like, I have a web comic idea, and I'm gonna present it today for the first time. ever officially so that anybody who uses this needs to pay me royalties all right the webcomic <laughs> is called mer nanny yes mer nanny
1: <laughs> as in a domestic worker who is also a mermaid <laughs>
0: who's a nanny uh-huh. and also a mermaid and a nanny uh-huh. to mermaids oh <laughs> all right so the premise of this story is a human couple has a mer child they i mean they adopted her and oh. they realized they were out of their depths so they need a mermaid
1: <laughs> that's funny that's funny I mean, Out the- <laughs> of depths.
0: <laughs> maybe that should be an episode name yes. that would be awesome so okay so the mermaid baby is growing up and she is becoming too strong for her parents they found out they were out of their depth and they hire a merman to be the nanny to to help with the mermaid stuff and they all fall in love (laughs) oh polyamorous mermaidess relationship
1: so so it's like uh, what do you call it it's uh, urban fantasy but a different type of urban fantasy
0: I'm super excited about it i like know their names already their faces isn't that great isn't that a great idea
1: that's a great idea that's a great idea and i love it because basically three podcasts in a row she has basically pitched it to me repeatedly <laughs> like, she cannot let this go she's like no we need the Myr-Nanny in our lives our internet lives because i need somebody to
0: to um draw it slash also write it for me because i don't yeah. want
1: to do it the Alana's podcast, Wendy and Alana's podcast, get literary, get literary, woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is season three, episode two of our romance novel-focused podcast. My name is Alana and I am one of your hosts today.
0: And I'm Wendy, your other
1: host! today we are discussing princess in theory by Alyssa cole how are you today wendy besides like interested in mermaids which we already know that
0: uh mer people
1: mer people sorry
0: (laughs) including mermaid maids mer babies and mermen (laughs) <laughs> and myrrh non-binaries. What, mer,
1: yeah. What would you call mer them? Axe. Myrrh-thays. Myrrh-axes.
0: Myrrh-axes. I just call them myrrhs. Mers. I'm mer- good. I, it is uh, spring in Arkansas, which means that I am in an allergic haze at the moment.
1: It is spring in Indiana, so there is snow in the ground. <laughs> uh, it snowed all morning, so not really actually spring. What are you drinking?
0: I am drinking the Lost Forty Brewing Rockhound IPA. It's delicious. Local beer, right? Local, Lo- local beer. Yes, shop local. Okay. What
1: are you drinking? I am drinking a floral concoction, which has a story behind it. In that I want new, um, based on the romance novel this month. That I wanted to do something floral because the guy like has this like smell of like flowers that reminds the main character Letty of her home or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. so she. Like really loves it. So I knew I wanted to make like a, a floral beverage and I, so I made a long list of things that I could make it out of like rose water and stuff like that. But I really wanted to make it with something called creme de violet, which is like a liquor made from violets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how Little Rock is, but here in Lafayette, Indiana, you can't find no creme de violet in most places. <laughs> what? So, like, I, and admittedly, I didn't look very hard. I mostly looked in grocery stores, and I was gonna go and, and, hit, up, and hit up the liquor store. The liquor store later, and I went to a friend of mine, Donna O'Reilly's party, and I got there, and I saw that she had like a pretty serious cocktail station set up, and mm-hmm. I was like. Donna, do you have any creme de viola? And she's like, yeah, here you go. And it was like this mostly filled like like container and she's like, you can have the whole thing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um. And then later I told her about what I was trying to do and she's like, oh yeah, I have the perfect... And she like pulled out a book and it had like a full page picture and like with with a creme de viola recipe involving Scotch whiskey and it involved lavender syrup and I was like, well, I don't have any lavender syrup and due to the things described previously, I don't think I'll find it in Lafayette. And She's like, you can make your own. Here's some dried lavender that I took off of someone's tree. And so, like, I, like, as other people entered this party, I was the first one there. And I am, like, I am, like, creating a dime bag of dried lavender that she has. <laughs> and, like, and, like, taking it with me while take after having taken a picture of this recipe that is what I made, um, and I call it the solo in the spring, mm-hmm. um, and that, and it's got um, kind of florally, and it's one and a half ounces blended Scotch whiskey, three quarters of an ounce cream de viola, Then I'm probably not saying that right, but you know what I mean. Three mm-hmm. quarters of an ounce fresh lemon juice and three quarters of an ounce lavender syrup. And the way you make lavender syrup is basically you make simple syrup, it's uh, up with lavender in it, and then you just let it steep for about an hour. And it's pretty tasty. Mm. Slash, I put a whole lot of sugar in it. <laughs>
0: sugar um, also makes things tasty
1: exactly so and then i i um i bought some flowers and i just like scattered some flower petals on top too mostly because it turned out like like the this violet stuff is like this dark purple color mm-hmm. um which means that if you add it to scotch whisky, it just looks like dirt it's like the color <laughs> of dirt um and maybe like if i would have been a little bit more thoughtful about i tried adding some champagne to it too to see if that would help uh not so much it's still dirt colored lighter dirt color <laughs> it's like dirt so, with bubbles yeah <laughs> slightly effervescent dirt so yeah thanks donna riley uh for and her husband Dave Stein. Who, that sounds ooh,
0: delicious and extremely complicated <laughs>
1: It's like one hundred percent the type of drink I'd make for this podcast, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <but> uh. <laughs> it actually it's you'd think it would be really violet kind of I was ho- I was afraid it would be kind of soapy tasting, but it's not soapy at all. It's just kind of got like a little bit of a floral scent to it. Hmm. Um so in that way it was pretty pretty successful. Um and this is Scotch, you gotta drink it like super slow. Um <laughs> Because it's, it's it's packs quite a punch.
0: It packs um, a punch. A friend of yeah. mine had never heard of that saying, it packs a punch.
1: Really? It, is that a regionalism that I didn't realize was I, a regionalism? I
0: don't know. Maybe. I mean, since we're both from the Northwest.
1: Yeah. Possibly.
0: Packs a punch. I was like, yeah, this drink really packs a punch. And she was like, what did you say? <laughs> And then she tried to, she tried to, like, say it later, and she's like, Wendy said this drink, like, punches. <laughs> a lot. Punches a lot. What did you say, Wendy?
1: Packs a punch. Packs a punch is different than punches a lot. <laughs> yeah, the, the punch is packed inside of it. Like, it's not actively punching.
0: Yeah, it's a package of punch. <laughs> and not and also like maybe the problem is that punch is a word that can be used in a lot of different ways.
1: Mm. Because
0: I think of Paxa Punch as like a boxer like hitting another boxer really hard, you know?
1: Yeah. But
0: yeah. maybe she was like, Do you mean like fruit
1: punch? Like <laughs> Or like punch drunk, which would be the most topical part of this, maybe? <laughs> topical (laughs) Um,
0: also I'd like to commend you on your choice of friends because I feel like if I were to come up to you at a party (laughs) and been like hey I'm gonna make this weird ass drink that has flowers in it you would be like oh you mean with this (laughs) and then I'd be like yeah but I don't know what to do with it oh do you need a book because I have that too (laughs) (laughs) she's <laughs> a lot like you like you just talk to I, you
1: I, I i i mean it was i was did find it very commendable and then her husband also like took out some elderberry vodka that they'd made Ugh. like to show me um as well just be informative which is also something i would do in that case and that's also something like,
0: matt would do as well yeah. <laughs> he wants to be informative
1: yeah like, and also make weird stuff
0: like elderberry vodka
1: um yeah it sounded good i didn't have any but um they had all sorts of fancy things thanks guys thanks for inviting us over to your party
0: (laughs) and you were the first one there
1: i was so alana
0: classic alana
1: i recently was talking to a group of our friends because we went to a party last weekend and they were like doing an analysis of who would show up at the party first and they're like well it'll obviously be alana and matt (laughs) <laughs> like they'll show they always show up like routinely three minutes after the party's supposed to start like
0: <laughs> i only show up 15 minutes to half an hour after you expect me to show up oh. because I know i'm on my way and then i get lost in time for a bit and people are like where is wendy she said she was on her way like 30 minutes ago and you know You're like, like
1: <laughs> what terrible batman like thing has happened to her you
0: know? <laughs> she's like losing time like tyler durden yeah. Just like Fight Club in it, in the middle of, you know, <laughs> and all of all of Little Rock takes fifteen minutes to get anywhere. Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about this novel, which is a princess novel, but it also involves. For is this our third? This is our third novel in a row that involves the rich guy poor girl dynamic. Has um it? Well, yeah, because the we read. Um, didn't we read like a pure boss novel?
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah,
1: and you wanted to talk a little bit about this trope because your argument is is that it's actually really attractive to successful women, right?
0: Yeah, because, okay, so I I saw this tweet and I need to learn how to mark my tweet because I have no idea who said it or what she actually said. But she was like, maybe the reason why women love billionaire stories and romance novels is because it's like the current infrastructure of this world is you have to choose one or the other relationship or career in... You know, when you're a woman and maybe if we had a better infrastructure, maybe we wouldn't want to be like marrying like princes and stuff, you know, because, <laughs> you know, like in the U.S. at least, you know, it's it's hard to get maternity leave. It's hard to come back from maternity leave. You know, those stories are becoming more common rather than less. Yeah.
1: And it's uh like women who privilege their families or who privilege their spouses are kind of looked down upon. And dual career is very challenging and men just statistically make more money right Mm -hmm. so it's hard to make that decision so if a woman has chosen career and you're writing a romance novel which is entirely about the other half of things right like a a romantic story Mm -hmm. the idea that a guy is loaded is kind of attractive in its own way right yeah
0: Yeah. because I mean I always love those love those kind of books that the men are so so into the woman that he's just like I just want to do whatever you want to do because then (laughs) and I have endless money just work whatever you want to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, like, I, I think it's also. I think it's attractive to a woman in general in these stories to have a feeling that, like, no matter what, you don't really have to support your partner, yeah, right? Like, you have a true equal relationship and that any money-related activity, that person is rich. And so it also allows you to have it. I mean, there's something to be said for, and I'm becoming, like, more and more interested in what I call, like, the administrative service gap, which is, like, women don't receive as much help with scheduling and room reservation and event planning than men. Men do, mm-hmm. and I think that in a romance novel that can be really attractive because a lot of your success financially is often precarious, and so it's nice to know that that there's like this fallback plans. It allows you to take more risks in terms of your own career, yeah. right? Um, that that your that your uh, partner is ridiculously rich, mm-hmm. but there is. I mean, the thing we're not talking about here um, is that oftentimes in billionaire novels, the person is in some way controlling, right? Yeah, I don't like those.
0: <laughs> That's why I like. Regency. I mean, I feel like a lot of people looked out upon this kind of trope because it seems so like regressive. It seems so, you know, anti feminist to be attracted to someone who you can rely on financially and to enjoy that as a perk, you know. But really like who wouldn't want to like not strive financially, you know? And in this day and age, it's like you can't get away from striving financially unless you're like a trust fund baby or something.
1: and romance novels are to a certain point like they exist in a non reality where it's sort of like if you got everything you want romantically and otherwise Mm -hmm. like what would it look like to have everything that you wanted yeah and so part of that is is financial right is the fact that like you can have like a really fancy car and a really really nice food and like really nice clothes in addition to having like this fantastical boyfriend Mm -hmm. you know who like gives you orgasms whenever you would like. (laughs) It's like, like
0: everywhere. Like, at the it's, of the part
1: of, it's part of the, the the kind of like talking about what it is that we want is kind of part of romance novels, mm-hmm. right? Like they're a little bit of what does it look like to have everything you want in a, in a book. Yeah. Uh, I and mean, it, it says deeply cultural things, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, who doesn't want like financial security? And also like the, the only good thing about women career field is that there's less of a pressure for women traditionally to like make the big bucks, you know, so women are more likely to like go after what they want, you know, but (laughs) on the other hand, almost every female career out there or like career that's oriented to females is way less paid and valued than any typically male career so of course we're not gonna like you know even like we're being socialized to like these particular fields that you can't financially support yourself through these things you know
1: yeah and also there's the pinking of the jobs in which as they become more female dominated they lose status and pay Mm -hmm. I mean it's a relationship in which if you were to evaluate the romance novel market as being mostly women women in general experience less financial security than men Mm -hmm. so of course part of the package of the ideal boyfriend is someone who can also give them financial security.
0: Mm-hmm. And then it, it is still like the saying "um she can have it all is old and tired mm-hmm. but that still exists like that dichotomy that women have to choose career or family. There's been a couple yeah. of times where I I've been talking to someone and a woman will say this to me. She'll say Wendy I just never really thought of you as a mother and I was like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, it, what it, where the Hell, did that come from? Uh, <laughs> and the what they're saying to me, I had to realize after a while, is because, you know, like I've never said that I don't like kids. I've never said that I don't want kids. What they're saying to me is I don't see you as an at-home mom, and that's how I see moms. Like you're too career focused to be a mom Mm. and it's like i mean i've never like i've just like stumbled upon being career focused like i've never really been like i'm going to drive myself to the top or whatever and i'm still not like that but i want to enjoy what i'm doing so that apparently makes me career focused and i have the power to do it and i do it so that makes me not a mother (laughs) my uterus is gone
1: (laughs) Well and I think that sometimes people like will say these sort of thinly veiled or sometimes not thinly veiled thing to me. Especially lately I haven't been as successful, but like when I'm winning a thousand different awards or something last year, people would be like, Oh yeah, but like you also like went basically asking like when are you gonna have kids? Mm-hmm. You know? And it comes from a place in which they know that like it that's gonna affect my career, but also like that's kind of my choice and like also not your business. <laughs> um Yeah. And it's like this idea of yeah i cuz i don't think either you nor i we're kind of career ladies at this point in our lives and i don't think i plan to be that way i certainly always wanted to believe in what i was doing and to be good at it and i think it's hard as a woman in a lot of these fields because i think me and me and another colleague are, are doing a presentation on the work life balance which is more about the work work balance Uh, because we both have two jobs and like how do you manage multiple different jobs and also being like a lady Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's more interesting to me than I don't know I feel like it's there's always an insinuation that in this conversation of like how do you do it all is like and I think I read some memoir that was like you know you know people would ask me how do you do it all and the the insinuation is you're fucking it all up Um,
0: (laughs) yeah it's and that it's not sustainable
1: yeah <laughs> well I know that when I um and it is and in some ways it isn't sustainable, but it's my unsustainable yeah. group of stuff. Like I have intelligence as a woman and have chosen the life I lead, right? Mm-hmm. Like let me be in charge of my own choices. Um yeah. I remember very like when I was running for elected office, um Another woman said to me, like, Alana, aren't you doing enough? As if saying, like, I'm not allowed to run for elected office because I do all these other things really successfully. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and,
1: yeah, like, like that sort of like policing of what you're allowed to do at one time. Mm -hmm. as a woman you know so there's a lot to unpack which then makes billionaires and so at first it looks really regressive but i think it's also a response to this sort of pragmatism that women have about whether or not like truly because in this novel especially her husband almost gives money to her lap so she can do the things that she likes to do (laughs) so let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the plagiarism scandal that's been in the news since we last met um so those who don't know christy Ceru um, Ceruya, who is a Brazilian author, um, was called out on Twitter by Courtly Milan, who is a romance novel writer, who said that large amounts of her um, recent novel, Royal Love, were copied word for word from passages from the Duchess of War. And then later, it was shown that passages of this had also included, in this particular book, Bella André, Tessa Dare, Loretta Chase, and Lynn Graham. And specifically, <laughs> this author had mentioned... Um, Mentioned that had blamed it on her ghostwriter, who she had a freelance person who she had approached on Fiverr, which is just ridiculous that that's how you write romance novels. Um, All the and, and anyway, um, and I thought like since this dealt with since we're always interested in what's going on inside of romance novels, like what do you think of everything that's that's involved in this?
0: Well, I mean, I I'm a big fan of Courtney Milan that series that starts with the Duch- Duchess is amazing and I loved it (laughs) I finished like all six books in like a month or something and you said she's like a former lawyer
1: right Yeah, she's yeah, she's a former lawyer. So I don't know what genius plan was it. Yeah, yeah, former lawyer, like so
0: fucking stupid. Like that's possibly the worst place to plagiarize, don't you think? Like, first of all, she's plagiarizing a romance novel, which has text that you can index and search. Like a Google search on Google Books will pop-up duplicates like it's not very hard <laughs> and and also she's not just taken from like you know joe Schmo who has a self-published book on on amazon no she's taken from tessa dare loretta chase and uh courtney milan and a few other who a few others who are heavy hitters in the romance <laughs> novel community like can you be any less fucking smart like, like, I've read all of those. I probably would recognize that phrases if I had opened up a book of hers.
1: Oh, I'm reading the article that I saw now, too. And it looks like Saruya is also a, a lawyer in her background. Wow,
0: what a dumb lawyer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, and even if I like, first of all, like, uh, we all know that ghostwriting happens in this field, right? There's no way mm-hmm. that people could kick out these romance novels so yeah. much. But do you, you wouldn't steel? do any sort of quality control, like none at all. Yeah. And on
0: Fiverr. It's like you'd think that you would check like somewhere a little bit more.
1: Yeah. That's like basically like, you know, the freelancing version of like scrolling on Tinder for someone to write your novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like,
0: you wanna blame it on your on your freelancer? No. Cause the person was on Fiverr. Like it's like of course she's gonna like, take what? like paragraphs from other things like or he whoever that was or he
1: or he yeah
0: there's a lot of dudes on fiverr by the way is there is there yeah i've looked at fiverr um because i was looking for podcast editing shout out to rosie who edits our podcast now thank you
1: thank you rosie thank you we love you
0: (laughs) because i was like maybe i want to like have somebody edit the podcast from like, just pay somebody to do it. And I had to, like, scroll through, like, 10 pages of boys, just like white boys, you know. So I was like, maybe somebody other than a white boy should edit my podcast.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I want to support women in this field. Oh, yeah. Um. So I guess we resolve in the future to plagiarize other more famous podcasts. <laughs> in our work like we'll 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 throw in some pod save america maybe some npr all things considered you know <laughs> or, like or cereal cereal <laughs> yeah we'll just throw in some cereal only in the, the middle top. of our,
0: only, the top. only
1: the top we're not gonna steal from anybody else like like lower like ourselves we are only steal from
0: it's like and then also we're gonna be better at it because we don't have a freaking transcript like <laughs> it's harder to just search our words you know so <laughs> even isn't... if we did plagiarize something it would be harder for us to get caught than this bitch like <laughs> what a dumbass I can't believe that yeah
1: I wonder how many ghostwriters there are out there I mean I also wonder about how many ghostwriters there are in this genre because last last book club we talked a little bit about cover art and stuff like that but I do mm-hmm. wonder about the job of ghostwriting romance novels
0: yeah well I mean Danielle Steele is like pumping out a book a year still and how old is she she's been around for ages I mean it's probably like Charles Short. Schultz like the the original author is kind of dead already mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody told anybody that the author's already dead so they just have like a group of people <laughs> if you want to pay ghostwriters then that's fine yeah just don't just
1: keep an eye on them you know quality control hire another person to double check hire another person on fiverr to make sure that the first person on fiverr didn't play drys <laughs> double fiver tenor double fiver <laughs> that's that that is what we call it, a high fiver right there uh, high fiver exploding high five we should probably talk about the book now we should i liked it i was i mostly liked it i thought it ended abruptly i felt like i wasn't really 100 percent sold by the end of the book that it was entire like i was like really we're just hitting most of the story here oh yeah you know yeah she um
0: (laughs) in order to solve the problem She goes into a coma, and then the (laughs) problem solved when she wakes up. Yeah, that's that's got to be a trope within itself, right? Like goes into a coma. I think I have actually seen that, but as someone who doesn't really want to go through all that, then I'm perfectly fine with it.
1: So so let's back up. Let's back up. So this book is the story of Letty, who is um a, she doesn't realize it, but she she grew up in the foster system in New York City, and she's now an epidemiology grad student. And she gets all of these emails after she does in a DNA thing that about. From this, uh, this country of Thesolo saying that she's a princess and and to contact her repeatedly, and she she ignores it because she thinks it's like a Nigerian prince thing, mm-hmm. and then that the guy on it who I can't remember the name of, uh,
0: the Biso,
1: the Biso, um. Thabiso, um uh, comes to the U.S. and is meant to confront her about um, leaving the family or whatever, but ends up, you know, liking. This is so romance novel. Yeah. He likes how he doesn't treat him like a prince, mm-hmm. and so he wants to prove to her, and so he pretends to be Jamal, a non-prince, and they and they <laughs> sort of like develop a budding relationship. And, and a little bit of, like, Netflix and chill. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, and I find Portia. Portia is a very suspect story. Her best friend takes her to a ball in for yeah. a king, like, and surprises her with the fact that she is a princess. And then she is hired by the kingdom to investigate a disease outbreak but also to pose as his as his um, fiance let me tell you when we got to that point in the book like okay
0: so first the the whole pretending to be a poor person took up half the half of the first part of the book i mean Mm -hmm. half of the book And then we got to the part where he was like, hey, guess what? I'm sorry. Also, there's this weird um, disease going on and I am bribing you. With a beautiful internship, um, to pretend to be my fiance, and I was so excited. (laughs) I was like, I was like, oh my god, secret fake relationship. Like I didn't know that was part of the trope that was gonna happen. And Uh, I love that too. I love fake fake fiance. It's the
1: best. I I I also love the prince who just wants to be treated like a normal guy. Like I like I'm also I. Love it, like, like. Oh, I just want to be treated like everyone else. Mm-hmm. He, she sees me for me, not for my
0: power or wealth, just for me. His name was Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> also, he's kind of a funny character. He walks into this, um, to this nice restaurant uh, that uh, she's she's uh working at, and he she thinks that he's the waiter that was just hired. So she calls him Jamal, and she hands him like a plate to go give. And I also love this how how is it? it's the um it's the school's restaurant. So all of these like physicists and mathematicians are like sitting at tables forgetting to eat and talking really loudly about their fields with each other (laughs) and one of the mathematicians or physicists or whatever um asks for some kale to show um what was it like the planes of gravity or something like He had to go bring the kale to them and um it was also hilarious when he was like trying to figure out how to be a waiter and he told like apparently he told someone to go get it themselves <laughs> And so he's like this sweet boy who, who is prince of a nation is um, learning things like, oh, people want to be thanked. And um, maybe uh, servers are not there just simply to serve me, you know. Like, stuff like that.
1: (laughs) We also, we need to talk as well about his attributes as a leader of his country. Because he is, so, first of all, there's only one finance minister in this whole country, which makes me a little bit concerned for Thie Solo's finances. Mm -hmm. Like, someone should be paying attention to it. And it's only after talking to his experience as a waiter and, like, thinking about other people for, like, a split second that he realizes that maybe mining under one of the major cities in his... In his kingdom, might actually disperse people and not help them as much as he thought. Like, I was like, You never thought about the effects of this ever? <laughs> like, yeah, that this was is kind of
0: weird. Only- um, he, I mean, like, I got the impression that he thought about it, but he didn't really care because he was like, he was, uh, he kept on being like overruled on everything. And so he's like, I don't know, I guess we'll do it. And then she's like, You could really help someone. And then he goes, I could really help someone because I'm a motherfucking prince prince like <laughs> and so sweetly is awoken
1: um i had a little bit of readers theater which i'm going to bring right. up but what did you think of so there's the side character of the advisor to the prince Lecoxie. who is like the super super lesbian lady um, and I thought she was kind of interesting.
0: I love Lakotzi. Um, she was great, and in my head, I imagined, um, you know that guard from Wakanda.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was Which is something we, we haven't talked about. But this book is like this is Wakanda, right? <laughs> it's a an- Uncolonized <laughs> country with a large amount of some sort of mysterious, mysterious mineral that is very precious that people from the outside want to mine. It's it's Wakanda. It like, is, and they're have-
0: like basically pretty proper, prosperous, and happy people. Like. It's not, like, it's not, like, the typical thing that you see in American movies about African countries, like, (laughs) you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. So, so later, so, and, and also, like, related, actually, I have one bit of reader theaters that has to do with him as Jamal, in which he has known Letty for, like, less than, um, less than, like, 45 minutes, and he is not a very good server, (laughs) And, and he says to her that, like, he says to her, um, he says, well, she says, well, maybe you might have noticed yesterday that sometimes it's easier me- for me to do things because I'm better at them. He let out a short, sharp laugh. Well, yes, but doing everything by yourself isn't really sustainable, is it? Please delegate. I'm like, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. She's going to do things the way she's going to do it. And don't, like, you barely know this lady, and you're giving her, like, management principles. Like, who are you? The Harvard Business Review? Like, I just can't even deal with you. Like, like it's you don't know anything about her. She's probably doing things fine. Like, she did not ask you to like critique her management style. <laughs> though if I were to critique her management style, early in the novel we find out whenever someone emails Letty she gets a note a push notification to her phone like a vibrate, <laughs> which sounds so annoying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I cannot deal with it. and I worry about Letty as well. So maybe she's just a hot mess in this story, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: she's she's apparently running on fumes and ramen. So
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Um yeah, I think it's interesting because at the beginning of the book, we go over a lot of the things that she has to deal with and a lot of the things are like nor like contemporary issues that a woman of color in a STEM field has to deal with. So like her, um, her fellow interns take her for granted and give her grudge of work. She's working her ass off at this waitress um, position, and she's like, and her fellow server is <laughs> this like white dude grad student <laughs> who is <laughs> getting his MFA or something, and he's like doing wait, he's doing serving because. It like teaches him about like the real world, you know, and then he has this epiphany that he, that it's hard work, so he quits. <laughs> like she has to deal with the shit all the time, you know, and then uh-huh. and then a fucking prince walks in and doesn't really understand waiting tables, and then calls her a Saint Bernard because she's like too ingratiating to her customers.
1: It was it was kind of a downer, I'll be honest. It <laughs> in was <the> yeah. <laughs> I mean I was... thought it was also a downer when like um later in the book, uh um her her love like basically kind of buys out the lab and they basically her lab, the person who's in charge of it, the professor basically like sells her to him. You know like it's <laughs> yeah. like you will get a tour from this lady, you know, because he's got so much money. I'm like, what? This is not better, right? Like, you're basically selling her yeah. to this, to this, to this person. <laughs> And
0: if he wants a blowjob,
1: give him a blowjob. Like I, you definitely got the insinuation that the per- the head of the lab, was like, "Give this man whatever he wants." <laughs> ne- never mind the fact that would not work in real life, because actually, foreign foreign government direct investment into a academic lab would would like fly off all the all manner of alarm bells. <laughs> Like you can't just as a foreign government directly invest in an American lab. Period. Especially not an epidemiology lab. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, I <sighs> I had a question about his financial things because okay, so in the in the billionaire genre, the mm-hmm. the billionaires often throw around their money and buy whatever they want in order to further their process. Which is fun. It's it's fun to like, you know, um suddenly have no problems or whatever.
1: But yeah, I it's like-, like in Crazy Rich Asians when <laughs> when like she buy like in the earlier part of the of the novel when um her her husband buys the whole hotel, mm-hmm. right? Like I love it. Like you're yeah. like fuck that. We have lots of money and you didn't realize we did. Bam. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's so great. It's fun. It's a fun thing to do in a romance novel. However, he has a social responsibility, a civic responsibility to his to his subjects. So everyone, every time he like throws around a bunch of money, I'm like, is that? people's money like shouldn't this go back to your country not necessarily to some Puerto Rican woman who he wants to send on a cruise so that he can use her House to spy on Letty and
1: (laughs) infiltrate her her social circle. Like, and let me let me talk about the infrastructure problems of the Solo as well, right? Like, they have these crazy cool sidewalks, but they don't have like basic road clearing maintenance during a snowstorm (laughs) in a snowy area, right? Like, they get stuck in a cave because of one snowstorm. (laughs) And I'm like, there is no way in a mountain country that you do not have snow maintenance. Mm -hmm. If you do, if you don't have the ability to, like, get snow crews out, I worry about sending Puerto Rican women on vacations. Like, you could spend that on (laughs) having a better response to snow incidents in your mountain country. Like, maybe buy a snow plow. I don't know, yeah. Like, 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 especially when you know... That the king, basically the prince is going to be going through this area. Like, make sure that the roads are clear.
0: Also, they rode a donkey together, which I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do. Like, donkeys
1: are not (laughs) horses, man. Like, Donkeys are not horses, man. I don't know what that, what does that mean? Like, I mean, they're just, also when they wake up in the morning and the donkey is in between (laughs) them after their sex night, I was like... They're fuck
0: naked in the, in this cave, and somehow this motherfucking donkey is like, "I'm gonna get right in between those people." <laughs> There's like one sentence where they say that Letty woke up snuggling a donkey instead of her fiance. <laughs> and just left it at that. And I was, like, already, like, this must be a huge-ass donkey because you just put, like, a full-grown man and a woman on this donkey while it ran up a mountain. So (laughs) there's, like, this (laughs) huge donkey in between them. Also, cave sex. It was fun. I mean, also, okay, so I... So... You know, when I traveled to Greece and I was on some trails, I noticed that a lot of the caves have a lot of goat poop everywhere because <laughs> because animals like to take shelter and there's a lot of fucking goats. So yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, they are on top of goat poop right now. <laughs> like her cute little cloak is just covered in goat poop. And then they just have Just covered. Covered. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many cute uh, move- moments to this book, though. I, I really liked it.
1: Um, One of my favorite parts is when she gets super bitchy. So her mother-in-law, um, so she has this fake engagement, um, and she comes to the solo. And her mother-in-law, for good reason, doesn't believe she's 100% on this. I felt with the mother-in-law in this situation, but she has some good burns. Um, <laughs> so here's one. Thabisco uh, had had known his parents would be upset, but he thought they would finally being him finally being committed to marriage would smooth over any rough edges. That would be too darn simple, of course. And then, so Letty says, "The view from this plane was beautiful." Letty said, "I was looking down at the mountains and waterfall and wondering why my parents would leave such a place." She returned the asserting look her, his mother had given her. Thank you for clearing that up for me.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so funny. Yeah, she was
0: pretty great. Did you
1: like Letty? She, I liked Letty. I liked Letty. I was cheering for Letty. You know, I I think something that this book did really well is it did the secret princess thing, which I love. I always, I'm always secretly hoping I'm a princess. But it it also has this like second act where. She meets all of her family, right? And that's like, I don't know, as the daughter of an adoptee and the sister of two adoptees, I know that the experience with your birth family can be really complicated and full of lots of emotions. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the book did an okay job with addressing the idea that when you finally meet your family, that you have been sort of deprived your whole life, even barring any traumatic Events which are clearly buried inside of Letty's life. yeah, I think that that's kind of an interesting thing that the book kind of I don't know, it sort of stumbles into because it wants to build this sort of, like, intrigue involving the evil uncle Mm -hmm. but I thought that was kind of an interesting interesting uh trope to kind of bring into this novel yeah and you wanted Letty to sort of be successful I don't know if her thabisco I was kind of like whatever about it like he's such a playboy
0: so after that whole parade of misogyny that (laughs) developed (laughs) at the beginning of the book I had a hard time getting back into it but I fell in love with Abisa because she was talking about how hard it is to be a woman in STEM. And he was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and he like listened to her and he accepted it and he connected it with other things. I was like, I am in love with you. I am attracted to your wokeness, sir. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I am attracted to your wokeness.
0: I mean, it's such a small thing. Like, I know that my, like, my expectations are so low that the fact
1: that this guy
0: simply listened to her strife about the fact that she was being gaslighted in STEM and taken as a servant, basically. But I was like, that's it. I'm just, I'm ready for it.
1: He also sounded really cute with his, like, Mm -hmm. beard. I was into And his, yeah, and his clothes that were picked out by this very fashionable lesbian
0: (laughs) yeah the best (laughs) Lakotzi was like (laughs) you say that like you don't ask me what shoes you to wear every day (laughs) i really like Lakotzi as well um his his assistant um which added like another level of the whole lying lying to someone trope is always kind of dicey but to have Lakotzi comment on it while it's happening was a lot better Because they're just- Yeah, and I think
1: both Lakotzi and um, her friend, everyone thought it was a bad idea that he was lying to her, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, that makes it a little did. bit better, you know? Because he was yeah. like,
0: I will pretend to be this person, and Lakotzi's like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I will do it. It will be awesome. She's like, no, like, let me tell you, I understand where you're coming from. I've seen the romance movies that you have seen. It seems like a good idea, but it's not. it's really not believe me i'm a woman and i date women and he's like it will be a good idea and it wasn't it wasn't a good
1: idea um and specifically we should mention that this book was also i don't know if it's refreshing i it has an african character and an african-american character and there is a bit of description of race, but not as much as, um, like, I read The the Wedding Date. Didn't we read The Wedding Date mm-hmm. with um, my mom? And there wasn't as much of a description in this book as yeah. in that book. I really felt like it was, um, well, it was very Wakanda-like, which was like, yes! Yeah. But I also appreciated, like, the the discussion about women in STEM, and specifically Black women in STEM that happens inside the book. Yeah, it was great. Also, I was thinking here, wondering how in the world Lead Letty is going to describe this on her resume? Like, (laughs) internship, summer 2019, um, helped solve, you know, disease outbreak in Thesolo, you know, found out it was my uncle. (laughs) Next bullet point. (laughs) married prince am now princess right (laughs) like what how is that gonna help your career madam like you can't even publish about it it's basically you know assault Uh, (laughs) like this is not as good of an internship as people have been led to believe am i right yeah and she was like out for
0: most of it
1: (laughs) yeah she was in a coma for a lot of it like she will have no like she hasn't had time to do a single conference poster about the six variant
0: <laughs> see the real problem is is that you're a business librarian. So you know how to research <laughs> so all of this rings false. Yeah, to you. yeah. The
1: fact that the fact that it, I'm I'm a librarian and also an academic and so like the idea that you'd read a bunch of case studies and that would help you understand it. There's no there's no modeling at all. There's barely any data data analysis going on. <laughs> I have trouble taking them seriously as epidemiologists
0: as an English major. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I loved it.
0: I loved <laughs> I loved the little jibes about, you know, she would make jokes about like cells and the membrane and like <laughs> you know, like she thought in terms of germs and bacteria and that kind of stuff. Did you notice that she sang the happy birthday song while she was washing her hands? No. <laughs> I was like, she's doing that so that she can make sure that she gets all the germs. She's humming that like he was like sitting in the living room waiting for her to get out of the bathroom and he hears her hum the happy birthday song, which means that (laughs) she totally sings a happy birthday song every time she washes her hands. Loved it. (laughs) There was also a Star Trek reference in the middle of it. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: There's also a part where Portia... She's like, I'm investigating him right now. And Portia's like, yes! (laughs) Investigate him like you're peer-reviewing (laughs) dadass. I loved it. I loved also that she, like, uh, Portia is one of those, has like a a million majors that she's tried out. And so she comes up with this thing. She's like talking science with Letty, And (laughs) then Fabiso turns to her and he's like, aren't you an art major? (laughs) And then she goes... I contain multitudes. (laughs) I was like, yes, I want to say that. It was funny.
1: It was funny. I will say that it took me a long time to get through this book. I don't know if it's because it was longer than our normal books um, or maybe just that there's a lot more going on, but like it took me much longer to get through this book than other books. I think I, I I kinda knew where it was gonna end up. It was pretty clear moving into it that like the uncle was the was the problem. I'm like he's poisoning everyone. I can tell.
0: Yeah, I thought it was strange that um they took the leap that it was a disease in the first place.
1: Yeah. I mean when you live in a country where a disease outbreak could happen because the prince is unmarried. <laughs> <laughs> I worry about you guys. Uh, I worry.
0: I I just love... There's a lot of tenderness in this book, and I love that he was missing her when he was young. You know, like, he was always told that there was this girl that um, was supposed to be his betrothed, and she ran away, and so he always thought that she would come back, you know? And I like the little, Mm -hmm. like, fertility ceremony that they did together, that was so sweet, and the part where they were like in the subway, really enjoying the performers on the train—it mm-hmm. was cute. I'm definitely gonna read Alyssa Cole again. She's on my list now.
1: I, I liked, I liked her. I like that she took on women in STEM. I like that. I enjoy a princess in disguise situation, um, or a prince in disguise situation. I was, I was interested in it, but I also, I don't know. I, it kind of lacked that spark that made me like. I I think like in terms of books we've read, I enjoyed Stud in the Stacks more than this. That's so strange to me, <laughs> especially
0: since like this is more your wheelhouse than uh, Stud in the Stacks. Well,
1: I guess I I mean the other one I was laughing more at the at the at the corny jokes. That's that true. Are in There
0: Stacks. are a lot of corny jokes in Stud in the Stacks.
1: <laughs> i i liked
0: how like when she thought in like terms of diseases and that kind of stuff she it didn't seem like it was a joke like sudden the stacks is like knocks knocks knocking on your door <laughs> <laughs> and you could totally tell that was like insert joke here you know but like mm-hmm. someone who is in 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 the field of epidemiology just thinks in that way you know and I could totally see that yeah it was a bit more serious than we usually read it was a bit more it was a bit more meaty definitely <laughs> I was like this is an, an exceptionally good book to read <laughs> for podcast (laughs) considering we read scrooge (laughs) mcfuck last time (laughs) that's the problem is that you're used to novellas (laughs) we've also haven't done like a full book in a while but i love how we i consider this a good book like a good romance novel and Scrooge McFuck, not a good book. <laughs> and it's funny how we always pick the worst books when, we're, when we have guests. But <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyway, it was great. And I, I'm excited to read the next book because the next book is called Duke by Default. And I love Dukes. Oh my God. <laughs> Portia Portia has a silver fox. He's a Scottish, like, her Scottish boss. And he Mm. is, like, surly, and I want to
1: read it. (laughs) So... So, anything else you want to cover involving this?
0: I loved it. I thought it was a great book.
1: I was was pretty good with it.
0: You gave it a three out of five, which is high for romance novels, usually.
1: Yeah, three out of five is I liked it. It wasn't like, oh my god, good. I gave it Um, five. Also... The sex scenes were hot. The sex scenes were hot. This
0: is I will give This it is them. the main reason why I like this over the what was the other one called the the proposal one. The wedding date. The wedding date. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. The wedding date I did not like because the guy was a fuckboy boy. And there were the sex scenes were cut out. And this one mm. I did like. See, he was a cute little prince. And it was a hundred percent more whimsical than than <laughs> the wedding date. And the sex scenes were in.
1: Two thumbs up. A mostly, you know, two and a half thumbs up for two and a half. I'm sorry, I just can't you I mean I mean but I did like the parts of it that, that reminded me of Black Panther. Oh yeah. So.
0: Also don't you think that he's gonna like later like his his five year plan is that he's later gonna tell her that he's the black panther? <laughs>
1: like he's like uh. He's like, "You know how I lied to you about being a prince? Well, I have more information to give you." <laughs> yeah which we should give we should give the author props i think this came out before black
0: panther probably the
1: movie
0: i mean not black panther the series but
1: exactly like yeah, that has been a but
0: also time. like that's that's a common trope too in the whole prince thing is that the whatever country that prince is from is from like a really strangely progressive and developed and happy country. It's yeah, like, like he
1: doesn't bring any any baggage despite the fact he's from like some random country in Africa. You've never heard of yeah.
0: And it's like you walk down the streets and like people are singing or something. <laughs> like, I love my country so much.
1: Well, next month um, we have a special guest and we are reading Finders Keepers by Linnea Sinclair. And Wendy, do you want to read a little bit about Finders Keepers?
0: <clears throat> Be careful what you wish for. You might get it. Her ship's in shambles. Her boyfriend's dumped her, and she's frankly out of funds. Captain Trilby Elliot hopes her luck has changed when a high-tech fighter craft crash lands at her repair site. Finders keepers. She can, <laughs> she can sell the ship as salvage, pocket the profits, except one small problem. The pilot, Reese, is still alive and intent on commandeering her ship. And another much larger problem. Someone very powerful and very important wants Trilby Elliot dead.
1: Nice. So we're going back to sci-fi. Sci-fi. Yeah. And and, and Wendy's from Will will be joining us. Yay. Yeah. So tune in then. Yeah.
0: And uh, the guy is sniffing her hair. In the, in the book <laughs> Yeah, cover.
1: the cover it makes me deeply uncomfortable. Like, he's, like, sniffing your hair. He's
0: sniffing her hair, and then I think maybe the Millennial Falcon is on the front cover. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. And thank you, Rosie, who edits this podcast. Thanks again for your help. Yay! Thanks, Rosie! Thanks, Rosie! For more extra bonus features for this episode, you can visit GwenWendy.com slash S3EP2 You can also read more about Wendy there You can follow Alana on Twitter At Librarian Alana What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind The Alana's podcast Wendy and Alana's podcast Get little red, get little red, woo